Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks brought to you by PolyScience and Summit Research. Uh, you are chopping it up with Chuck. I'm the editor-in-chief here with Cannabis and Tech Today. We always bring you the goods and today is no different. We have with us today Jesse Horton. He is the CEO of Loud. That is, I want to make sure I get this right, Love Our Weed Daily. And he is from Portland, Oregon. And uh, welcome, Jesse. It's great to have you here. What's up? I'm very happy to be here. Really enjoying the show so far nice to have a pacific northwestern here i, I uh, uh grew up in the in the state of washington was stationed in fort lewis so uh whenever we wanted to get away we always would go from fort lewis down to portland me and my buddies and we'd get away from all the army and just chill down there yeah. so i got a lot of great memories in portland and uh it's cool to have a northwesterner here yeah i love the pnw i think we have the best weed in, in the country i love to hear that because you know what everybody thinks they got the best weed and i i truly believe that we might have some of the best in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah. So tell the audience a little bit about your background because you have got a lot going for you and we're very lucky to be able to talk to you. So yeah, just let them know a little bit about your background and, and some of your accomplishments. Yeah, of course. So my, again, my name is Jesse Horton. Uh, my background before getting into the cannabis industry was in engineering. So okay. I spent about eight years with Siemens um, doing a lot of different engineering assignments, some energy and environmental business unit work. Um, and after my trip in Munich, I was in Munich for about a year and a half working at headquarters. I got lucky enough to get relocated to the Pacific Northwest and started growing in my basement and, and never looked back. Um, a lot of people know me for co-founding the Minority Cannabis Business Association. Um, I've done a lot of nonprofit work. Uh, New Leaf Project in Portland, Oregon has given out now $2 million in grants and 0% interest loans to black and brown cannabis businesses. A lot of it with the help of Ben from Ben and Jerry's, uh, one of our biggest sponsors there. So I've been doing a lot of nonprofit work, but mainly uh, my focus is cannabis uh, consulting, utilizing my engineering background in the cultivation space to really find efficiency and grow some of the best weed that we can. That's really awesome that you have that background. When did you start growing in your basement? What year? I started growing in my basement in 2012. Okay. So this year is 10 years now that I've actually been working with cannabis. Yeah. Have you gotten better? Hell yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'd like to believe so. But, yeah. you know, most growers, is always a, it's always a, an evolution, right? So we've never quite made it. Yeah. Always trying to get better each and every day. Yeah, and, and uh, to the people that are watching, uh, growing weed is not easy, right? You don't just plant it and water it and go, right? You know what? Growing weed is fairly easy, but growing good weed is very difficult. I got you. you. Know, it, it is a weed, so it can grow in some of the yeah. craziest conditions, not optimal, but what you get um, is going to be vastly different, right, if it is in the optimal condition throughout its growth cycle. Yeah, yeah, okay. So t tell us a little bit about the uh, the minority cannabis business association what where did that all come from what was what was the thinking behind that and how did that get started yeah so when i got into the industry i, I knew that i benefited a lot from s associations and programs and kind of ladders of, of, of assistance yeah. in the corporate world so when i got into cannabis there really wasn't anything like that um that i knew i could benefit from but at the same time i was understanding um what was happening and that the history of cannabis cannabis arrests we're causing a dynamic in the newly developed industry that, you know, some of these disproportionately affected communities, black community, my community, um, you know, other communities, we're not 
finding their way into the industry. We're not getting over the taboo aspect of, you know, jumping into cannabis or we're afraid that they would get arrested first. So there was a lot of uh, misinformation, yeah. a lot of doors that needed to be opened. So I, I joined with some really dope people and we decided to start that nonprofit. Um, and they're here today. They're still running. I stepped down in 2017 just to focus more on loud and yeah. building that business. That's cool. So what, what do you think is... Uh do you think the industry is doing it right? You know, we hear a lot about social equity. We see different states that are coming online, New York, you know, stuff like that. They're trying to find the right way to make sure that, you know, communities that were disproportionately affected in the stupid ass war on drugs and everything like that, that they can be represented now and they can go, you know, cash in on it and stuff like that. Do you think they're doing a good job? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, Yes and no. And some people might be surprised to hear me say yes. Um, and I say that because when we first started in the cannabis industry, social equity, the, the comment wasn't even a thing, right? No one no. was talking about it. Yeah. Now, social equity at some level is at the table in every legalization discussion, right? In every yeah. discussion of forming the industry, that is a topic. So I think in that regard, yes, we're doing it right and understanding how important it is, right? Understanding that it needs to happen. But as far as the logistics, um, how it happens, how it's rolled out. Uh, yeah. There's definitely a lot to be desired in what different states are doing and how, you know, ineffective we've been um, in so many ways. Yeah. And and uh, it's it's kind of like that saying, we've come a long way, but still we got so far to go. Exactly right. That, that's, that's how it kind of feels to me. And uh, anytime you've got government involved and you've got money involved, <laughs> it seems like it's going to get bogged down. Yeah. And you know what I mean? It's 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 and a great idea, but the devil's sure. in the details. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And who gets the licenses and, you know, everything like that. Yeah, yeah. I think the main issue is, of course, funding and financing is a big one, right? And hopefully things open up more there as we continue to develop with the industry. But also, um, a lot of times there's arbitrary time limits. Yeah. On when company needs to open up, right? Four, I've heard four and a half months, a year. Yeah. To be honest, man, it took me eight years yeah. to get from my basement to an actual cultivation facility where I could actually compete in the market. So um, I think these arbitrary time limits are really hurting a lot of entrepreneurs and the industry as a whole. Yeah. What about access to capital? Because even if it opens it up, you know, to where you can, you know, go to get a license or you could do something like that, you gotta have some, you gotta have some wedge. Yeah. You gotta be getting, you know, capital to even get in the game, and you know, that's a that's a barrier to entry for a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah, it's a massive barrier to yeah. entry. You know, um, when I first got started in in Oregon, it was great because we can kind of bootstrap. Right? Yeah. We were in the medical program. Yeah. We can add five lights and then, you know, sell that to a dispensary, add five more scale lights. Scale slowly. And really slowly scale. And unfortunately, many entrepreneurs don't have that opportunity. Yeah. Um, so, you know, capital is even more important, right? And having all up front, having it available, ready to spend and not kind of piecemealing it as we were able to do. So certainly uh, capital is a really big problem. And through my nonprofit new project, yeah. um, you know, we've been able to make a dent in at least some entrepreneurs journey. But there's still a long way to go, as, as you said. So uh, tell us about Ben & Jerry's and why that's your favorite flavor of ice cream. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, in case Ben is watching, yeah, it is my favorite <laughs> ice yeah. cream, without a doubt. Those guys are cool as hell. Yeah, yeah. They really are. Yeah, Ben Cohen is um, really, he's a great leader yeah. um, in, in business as a whole. You know, he's done, as we know, great things with Ben & Jerry's. He's done a lot of work 
with helping other entrepreneurs throughout the years, even before cannabis. And now with his new cannabis venture, I'm lucky enough to be the president of the board, along with other dope people like Killer Mike, wow. uh, former Senator uh, Nina, Nina Turner, um, and a lot of other really dope people on the board. Um, Dr. Cornell West was on the board. He wow. actually stepped down recently. So we're working with Ben to try to, of course, develop a dope cannabis brand, right? Something that really is effective. People yeah. like low dose uh, cannabis as well as uh, higher potency cannabis, um, but also utilizing those dollars to put back into other entrepreneurs, put back into criminal justice, a yeah. lot of different causes that we feel like the cannabis industry can help with. So we're doing a a lot of cool work with his company up in Vermont. He, he uh, Ben and Jerry's has always been on the forefront of sustainability, you know, of, of kind of like, uh, you know, responsible capitalism, you know, stuff like that. Like they're just a, they're a brand that not only makes bomb ass ice cream, yeah. but I just respect the hell out of them, you know, because there's some brands that make the money and run and they don't care. Yeah. And I really do feel like, you know, Ben and Jerry's, uh, uh, they just they just seem like they care, you know, they kind of they have they have a heart and and that's that thing that sometimes is missing in capitalism You know what I mean? If you have capitalism without a heart Man, it's it's rough. He's been a shining star of that. Right? Yeah conscious capitalism capitalism with the heart and um, You know, he's almost a hero in the cannabis industry, right? Yeah. Because of their connection to cannabis They've always kind of you know tilted a hat to cannabis yeah. and some of their flavors and things like that right half-baked is really yes. one of my favorite ones um, So they've always been connected and a supporter and now Jerry Garcia has a chance to get into Jerry. Yeah, Jerry Garcia right now that he gets a chance to get into the industry um, I really hope you know I'm gonna do everything to make sure that they win and I hope that the cannabis community really supports their efforts Yeah, yeah hundred percent and by the way I think I saw a meme on it. I don't know if it's true or not, but are they trying to make a cannabis-infused ice cream? Because that seems like the perfect delivery vehicle, <laughs> right? High in fat and sugar and a little THC in there. Is that is that like a rumor or is that really a thing? You know, when I first got um, got involved with Ben and his cannabis efforts, right? We're trying to decide what to do, and I'm like, man, of course you got to have an ice cream. <laughs> yes. What are we talking about here? Let's yeah. move the agenda to the next item. But I, I would imagine that Ben probably has some non-competes yeah. with Ben and Jerry's, you know, and him coming out with a new ice cream yeah. uh, might not, you know, exactly. uh, dive with You're that right. business You're plan. Right. But uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> got to let that, that cool but, off for a minute. <laughs> yeah, but I, I would imagine that might be ha have something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, tell us about Loud. Wow, Loud, uh, Love Our Weed Daily is really just, um, it, it exemplifies who I am, who yeah. I am in the cannabis industry, who my friends are, people that I smoke with, consumers who are very, just very highly discerning, yeah. really love craft quality uh, weed, love new genetics, love fresh weed, just love you know the, the premium aspect of the industry. And that's what we focus on within Laos. So we are a cultivation facility. Uh -huh. uh, we produce flour, we also do pre-rolls. Yes. And um, we're actually also opening up a vertically integrated facility right now. So we're going through the process of building that out. And you know, it's I, we just think there's a really big uh, gap in the industry for companies who really want to wave the flag for cannabis culture. Yeah. So many companies are trying to identify the new consumers, 
are trying to get the new customers, and we want to double down on you know the heavy smokers, the real smokers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that, right? There's people like, oh, we got to get the sucker moms, and oh, we got to get the, you know what I mean, the grandmas and stuff like that. Exactly. But it, don't forget your your core. You know, don't forget your base. They're the ones that have always been there, and they're the ones that are always going to be there, and they're probably going to spend a lot of money in that space. So that's yeah. a, that seems like a good move. And they feel, I think, a little alienated in, yeah. in a lot of ways in the industry, right? Um, people have seen cannabis culture as taboo. Yes. They're getting away from, you know, the typical cannabis marketing, no greens in your colors or, yeah. you know, no talking about cannabis. And, you know, there's yeah. a lot of there that I, I think, you know, people like myself feel like they're, the industry is forgetting about yeah. um, the, the, the people who kind of started things and the people who opened up the doors. And like you said, the people who are going into dispensaries and they're buying buying an ounce yeah. versus buying a pre-roll, right? Or versus buying one edible, right? Yeah. Those are the people that we want. Yeah. That just made me cringe thinking of buying one edible, man. I got <laughs> to have 20, man. I like edibles. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm always running out. Um, no, okay, so you, so that's interesting. You mentioned uh, culture and, and cannabis culture. I... I was, uh, you know, graduated high school in the 90s and stuff like that. I, I'm a big fan of, you know, hip hop music. And, uh, you know, back then it wasn't always cool to listen to hip hop, right? Like people had their genre. It was rock. It was country. Yeah. It was hip hop. And if you listened to rap, you were kind of like yeah. in, in your own little thing. But fast forward now with cannabis being so big, you know, hip hop, I feel like kind of started destigmatizing cannabis before everybody else did and maybe they should get a little more credit for that oh without a doubt you know what i mean oh, mainstreaming yeah. it right like yeah. hearing about it in songs and you know kids like me teenage suburban white kids you know hearing about cannabis yeah. over and over again yeah. and stuff and all of a sudden it didn't seem so scary it didn't seem so you know the dare program told us that it was like heroin and yeah. stuff like that yeah. so i think i think uh you know hip-hop and you know even movies like how high and stuff like that right it mainstreamed it yeah. and kind of got so that when we got a little bit older and legalization was happening we 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 felt kind of friendly towards the plant yeah what yeah exactly right no i think you're 100 percent right and i mean even dating back you know hip-hop but then you know the jazz musicians there's a dope yes. documentary on netflix called grass is greener and i'm in there with fab five freddy uh, who did a lot of stuff with MTV and a lot of he's an artist and yeah. really had a lot of a lot of history in New York and he Yo, did a MTV documentary. Raps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did a documentary that's focused on music and cannabis and the yeah. combination. Talked a lot about hip hop, but also also all the way back to jazz musicians. Yes, and things like that. And it's interesting because actually, the movie um, that made me, you know, I probably shouldn't say this because it might be seen bad, but made me want to smoke or made me feel like, hey, I want to try that with Friday. Yeah. You know, and I saw Friday, I'm like, wow, that seems pretty cool. <laughs> and, um, you know, Chris Tucker and Ice Cube, of course. Hip you didn't want to be so. in the chicken coop. Right? No, 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 no. I didn't want to smoke with Chris was smoking in that, in that one, right? Right. Uh, the angel dust. Yeah, but, right. Yeah, but cannabis definitely seemed a little bit more, um, a little bit less harmful. Yeah. Right. To, to me at that point. So I decided to give it a go. I'm glad yeah. I did. Yeah, 100 percent. And, and I also feel like there's something about cannabis that it is it's a social thing right like you can smoke by yourself you know but it's different when you smoke with your friends or yeah. you smoke with your it's a social thing right puff puff pass right you're with it you know i'm a veteran and i talk to a lot of veterans that that use cannabis instead of the shit that they give them at the yeah, va right. that has all kinds of side effects and you know opioids it's like that they use cannabis and it helps them a lot with ptsd and stuff because not only is it what the cannabis does but they talk, mm -hmm. they smoke right, and right. they talk with their brothers, right. right, in the circle. And when they talk, 
That's therapy. Yeah. Man. You know, like the plant just lends itself to helping you talk through things. You know, it's got, of course, the medical benefits, but I just really feel like, man, it's been, it's been, it's been shit on. Yeah. Cannabis has been shit on ever since the early 1900s, and it's got a bad rap, and, and it doesn't deserve it. Yeah, I think that's the main reason why we need to build an industry that is inclusive, right? Yeah. Of everyone that consumes. We all know so many people consume cannabis. It doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter yeah. your color, your age, demographic, ethnicity, um, you know, political affiliations. Everyone, you're right, in some form consumes cannabis in those demographics. It pulls so, at like 70%, you know? Yeah. So the idea that, you know, all those different people don't have don't, don't see a place for themselves in the industry yeah i think hurts the growth of the industry as a whole yeah but isn't it weird to think about that you know the u.s had its reasons you know and there's a lot of reasons for it why they you know uh demonized it and made it illegal and everything like that but it, they did it around the world yeah you know like hemp was our friend for so long and like you know we got away from hemp we got isn't it weird that that sort of followed all the way around the world when people take the lead of America, I think, in yeah. a lot of ways. And that's why you're also seeing cannabis legalization start to happen yeah. all over the world is because, you know, the things that are happening in America. Yeah, yeah. Are you excited for international, you know, like they're talking about Germany, maybe Colombia, you know, some of these big leaders, they legalize, then, you know, one domino goes and then the rest of them follow. Do you think that's that's going to happen pretty soon? Yeah, I am excited about the, you know, the global opportunities in cannabis. But I think, you know, most small entrepreneurs, small business entrepreneurs like myself in this industry are really focused on finding the efficiencies yeah. right within our facility, are focused on building solid teams so that we can actually survive and win in our protected state markets. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, and then hopefully move to interstate commerce. So. You know, I, I, I am excited, but to me, it's kind of a far, far in yeah. the distance. It's like a, hey, that's cool. Yeah. I got to worry about my backyard. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly and by the way, right. what is the market like in Oregon now? Because a few years ago, we heard it was kind of like, you know, there was too much weed. It was kind of a race to the bottom. Has that has that mellowed out a little bit now? What's what's kind of the state of the state of Oregon? Yeah, I think the entire cannabis industry um, as a whole really benefited from a lot of the activities that were happening during COVID, right? Yeah. A lot of people at home, um, a lot more disposable income in many cases. So uh, there was definitely an uptick during that period. And now we've, we've dropped back down to normal. But I'll tell you, um, the companies that you know, operate the most efficiently, the companies that have the premium products, the companies that have a connection to consumers and have some level of brand loyalty, you know, as much as we've been able to get at this point, yeah, really don't um, have a difficult time, even in, you know, the most saturated markets. I believe Oregon and Portland is the most saturated market in yeah. the country. We're still doing well. And I think that, um, you know, that's going to hold true uh, throughout the country. I like to hear that. That makes me feel good, you know, because, uh, you know, Oregon was one of the first states, right? That's right. That's and, right. and you know, when you're one of the first, you're a trailblazer, you're going to go through some things and, you know, figure it out. But, yeah, I feel like Oregon, uh, Colorado, where I live, Washington, you know, those states kind of seem like they're doing a pretty good job. And I think that some other states and even Canada have kind of bungled it up and stuff like that. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm happy to see. And, and I think that this is just going to get better and better, you know, as we work out the kinks and the market starts to, you know, start to figure things out and everything like that. Yeah. So we're Cannabis and Tech today. Uh, you're an engineer of your background. What kind of technology excites you about uh, about the industry? Yeah, um, you know, so, uh, of course, when I was in engineering, there was a lot of controls uh, yeah. that we did, a lot of Siemens. automation. Yeah, exactly. So, 
you know, when I first came to MJ Biz, I actually did a presentation on the uh, potential of really implementing more controls, PLCs, and things like that into cultivation spaces. And, you know, it wasn't very prevalent at the time, and people didn't quite understand some of the things that I was discussing. Um, but that has evolved, I think, in a lot of ways. There's a lot of solution providers, integrators here uh, today. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about really the evolution of that, getting more data, yeah. working with company or working with organizations like Resource Innovation Institute, um, and getting more data so that we can make better decisions in the cultivation spaces, I think is probably uh, the most important thing over the next few years. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, man. Data, it, 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 it's, it's always important in every industry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, let the audience know where where can they find you. This is a great opportunity for you to you know give some shout outs. Uh, how can people get a hold of you if they want to do some business or they yeah. want to chop it up or whatever? Of course, uh, of course, you can catch us at Loud. Uh, Loud is online. Uh, L O W D uh, dot com. You can hit me up on Instagram, Jesse Horton, um, and my consulting company, uh, Plant Fidelity Solutions. Uh, please reach out to us. Reach out to me, and we love to work with companies who are um, maybe new licensees, yeah. current licensees who are in that process of working to do design with engineers, sourcing products, and want to do it in a way that is um, cost efficient, yeah. right? Because it can really be brutal at that point, yeah. and, you know, affording some of those costs. So finding efficiencies there, but also building those facilities in a way that they can be competitive five, 10 years from now, right? As yeah. the market yeah. starts to get more saturated, which is what's gonna happen everywhere in the country, yeah. um, these cultivation facilities have got to operate in ways that make them competitive, right? Yeah. Even uh, in the most premium of markets. That's great, that's great. All right, well, they are getting ready to pull me off stage. There's a red light blinking right now, so we're gonna have to wrap this up. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Cannabis Tech Talks, brought to you by PolyScience and our friends at Summit Research. Uh, we always bring you the goods. Today was no different. Jesse Horton of Loud, I'm telling you, get a hold of this guy. He knows his shit. He's an engineer. He is on the front line of all this business. Check out loud if you're in Portland. I'm going to go to Portland. I'm going to check out loud. I want to find you. I want to shake your paw. I want to smoke some weed. And uh, for the rest of you out here watching this, make sure that you like, hit the subscribe button, leave a comment, share, do that thing that you do, but make sure you tune in next time for Cannabis Tech Talks. You've been chopping it up here with Chuck, and we'll see you next time coming to you live from MJ Biz. And don't forget... If you're at MJ Biz, look for our new magazine. We got Calvin Johnson on the cover, Megatron. He's here running around, catching football, signing autographs. And look for golden tickets because we're giving away a bunch of killer prizes in our golden ticket promo presented by STM Canna. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time with Cannabis Tech Talks. Hey, hello, I'm Tommy Chong. If you want something really nice in your laboratory, buy Durachill. I'm telling you, if you're not using this Durachill, you're not really in the pot business. You're just on the fringe of it. So if you really want to get serious, man, this is what you need. You need a Durachill in your life. You've got the technology here to have the cleanest, purest, healthiest product. I'm impressed. You want me to sell this? Buy it. Try Durachill or else. If your chiller's down, you ain't making money. And you heard it from me, Tommy Chong. Brought to you by PolyScience.